So, yes, I have a knee brace on. You're going to see me wobbling and hobbling around. Um, different thing than last week. Um, really? Already? I mean, it's, it was bad. Um, uh, I, you know, we get to talk about the tongue today. We get to talk about speech. I've learned a lot about you guys by what you have spoken to me today. Um, there, I'll give you some of the words that have been spoken to me. This is, this is really a lot of fun for you. Um, is, hey, what's up, old man? Hey, do you need a crutch? Um, that was not fun, me. Um, I've gotten things like this, because this was Friday night, playing basketball with a bunch of guys uh, from the church here. I went to YMCA, trying to act young, and uh, didn't work out very well. I've gotten one of my kids said, Dad, you're just getting really old. Maybe you should stop doing stuff. A lot of the guys, several of you today, have come up to me and said, okay, 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 I see that you're hurt, but did you win? <laughs> yes, I did. Um, it's all that really matters. It makes the injury worth it. You get other people who come up and be like, I'm just, I'm just so sorry. Is there anything I could do for you? Very kind, uh, very nice. Um, it's been interesting because words matter. And we can make fun of this. It's just a way for me to be able to talk about it, right? Our words matter. They do, and they last, and that's why last week when we were talking about words, um, one of the things that I was able to speak about is the tattoo, right? If you weren't here, we spoke about uh, you want to be really careful before you get a tattoo because what are tattoos? Yeah, well done. Much, much better than the, the previous service. Um, I, they're permanent. They, they last, and we don't think that they last, but they last. They make an impact on your life. And so you want to be careful about the words that you speak and what they are uh, because of how permanent that they are. And, and, and so we're, we're able to jump back into that today. Well, it's been an interesting journey, though, because I want to remind you of, once again, what's been taking place. Half-brother of Jesus, James, right? There's four different James that we find, so knowing that it's the half-brother of Jesus is important. Because here's James throughout his life. I think he's been on this journey from where Jesus was brother to begin. And then he moved to rabbi, teacher, right? That's important to know, right? They, they were following uh, a rabbi initially, and they're they following him and going, okay, I want to learn from this person. That's often what would take place. In biblical times, rabbi would come through and say, hey, come follow me. So they would follow that person, right? And they would learn from them, and they would pick up their ways and their words and everything else. So all of a sudden, um, for James, happened to Jesus, it started where, here's Jesus, my brother, and then it was Jesus, here's my rabbi, and then it was Jesus, here's my savior. And so he's on this interesting journey. And maybe, maybe you're on a similar journey, by the way. Just, it just hit me where some of you are going, yeah, he's, I mean, I want to learn from him. He's a teacher. But maybe he's never moved to savior. Um, James is writing to the 12 tribes. We see that James chapter 1, verse 1. He's writing to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. Some, some of them are scattered because of persecution, but there's other reasons as well. And, and so he's writing to them. He's writing to believers, so he's writing to you. Now, we're talking about words, though, so even if you're not a believer, today is so applicable for us, for every single person who's in this room. 
And he's writing this, and there's so much power in what he's writing, because last week I was able to cover James chapter 3, 1 through 6, and you would think he would have stopped there, but he doesn't. He keeps going on the tongue, he keeps going on words, and he keeps doing it in the most concentrated place in the, in the Bible about tongue, about language. It's mentioned several other places, especially in the Proverbs and, and other places as well. You look at Colossians and other places I'll get to in a second. But in terms of the amount, the volume that's given to the, the power of our language, it's right here. James chapter 3. And he's letting them know how significant it is because he just keeps going with it and he keeps talking about it. Here's one passage that reminds us of its significance. And this is one of the things I'm inv- inviting you to do once again. Uh, if you've been here before, you know, I throw out a lot of different scripture. Uh, and they're really opportunities. Some of them will be behind me, some will not. It's an opportunity for you to, to write those down. And through the week, at some point, go back and revisit them. And I think it's important to do it because the Word of God, uh, Genesis to Revelation, it all works so beautifully together. That's why we don't only live in the Gospels here at Chapel Point. We touch base with everything. Um, and it's a lot of fun for us to be able to do that. I want to remind you, Colossians 3.17 is the first one for you to write down. Colossians 3.17, it says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through Him. So listen to that. Colossians 3.17, it tells us, right, calls it out, whatever you do, in word or deed, no matter what it is, make sure that you're giving thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything that you're speaking, it should be calling that out. It should be calling that out. So that's one passage for us to better remember as we jump into this. That's why a week ago, I wanted you and everything, word and deed, give thanks to the Father. And, and really, Give you that opportunity a week ago. I challenge you with going to five people to encourage them, right? And I hope you did that. I've heard some stories, some pretty significant stories. And for some of you, it was more of a blessing just because you got to do the encouraging as much as it was the blessing of receiving the encouragement. And it shows you that God's made us that way. To encourage one another and to lift each other up and to edify them and to push them toward Jesus. If you weren't able to do that last week, I encourage you to continue by doing it this week. But a couple more passages for you about the power of the word. So Proverbs 10, 19. Now, I'm going to use New Living on this one because I love the way this reads. Proverbs 10, 19, you'll see it behind me. It says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. It's our new memory verse for my family. Uh, my wife just found out about that. Um, isn't that a great too much talk leads to sin. Keep your pie hole shut. It's Joel's translation. That is not accurate translation of Hebrew, I promise. Matthew 12, 36 and 37. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Our words matter. Our words matter. Our words matter. We know that the average man 
You've heard hopefully this before. How many words a day? 20,000. The average man speaks 20,000 words a day. Average woman, how many words? Take a guess. Two million. Two million. Really? <laughs> um, a more realistic guess. 30,000. My father would tell me on a stormy day, the gust would go to 50,000. So 20,000, women 30,000. What are your words speaking? What are you using those 20,000, 30,000, 50,000, 2 million words for? What are you using them for? And it's important for us because here's James, and he's writing to the believer, right? You've got to remember what's taking place. James is a book. It's only written roughly about 20 or 20, maybe up to 22 or so years after the time of Jesus' crucifixion. This is not long after. And all of these things are taking place within the church itself and with the community of believers. And here comes James, and he's like, hey, guys, you're scattered everywhere, but you're still not speaking truth. What's going on? Like, what, what's happening here? Because you're being careless in your speech, which means really you're pushing people toward self and not toward Jesus. You're believers. Your words are to be pushing other people toward Jesus. And so he's writing this powerful, powerful word for us. What are you using your words for? For some of us, we, we're thinking, and, and this may be you, you're going, Pastor, you don't understand. I don't really say anything all that mean to people, but you're witty in it. Right? I mean, you've heard of death by a thousand what? Cuts. I think there's death that by a thousand words. Like, you're not like, hey, you're ugly, but someone puts on a new shirt, and you're like, oh, I mean, that's not your color, really, but it's good. Right? It's just always something. Your words always seem to be laced with just a, a tint of poison. It's uh, Thanksgiving's coming, Right? Ham or turkey? Who's ham people? Ham or turkey? Has absolutely nothing to do with the message. I just want to see which ones of you I like the most. Um, ham. Go ham. Honey baked ham. But Thanksgiving's coming, and it's the, it's the in-law or the family member that comes in and says, um, or the parent, they walk into the house, they, they look around, they just look, and then they say, oh, I see that um, the way that we serve things growing up, you chose not to do that. Right? Passive-aggressive words. Ever happened to anybody before? It's the power of words. It's passive-aggressive, but that's what's ended up happening. And all of a sudden, what they're doing is they're, they're projecting onto you that they really disapprove of something. They're going, like, well, if you don't like it, just say you don't like it. Well, no, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. You're being passive-aggressive, which means you're being a coward. Why don't you just speak your mind? Go ahead. Our words matter because someone hears that and all they take away from that is, oh, they don't approve of the way that I'm doing it. And what I want to tell them is, listen, it's cranberry sauce. Instead of eight people, I've got 18 people I'm trying to feed. I didn't put it in that container that I grew up with simply because it wouldn't fit. Get over it. No, seriously, right? Right? 
This is real life, is it not? But our words matter, and so we have to look at this. And James is already pointing out, he knows, James chapter 1, right? James is pointing out, James chapter 1, verse 8, if you want to scribble it down. We already know he's speaking about a double-minded man and the ungodly speech. That's a mark of an ungodly man who is, what, unstable in all of his ways. Really what that, and as you get older, what you learn is that person who's passive-aggressive with those types of things, it really has, guys, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with their own insecurity. Because they've given authority to the wrong thing. So don't let that dominate your Thanksgiving or your turkey day. Because your job is to use your words, your language to project Jesus in all that you're doing. So that tells us, James chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, and it's where he's picking up from last week. I've got to just jump in right there. He says this. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Think about all of God's creation that man has tamed in some way, form, or fashion. It's absolutely remarkable. But then he keeps going. He says, but no human being can tame the tongue. Why? Because it's a restless evil. It's a restless evil evil, full of deadly poison. All that we can do to control parts of God's creation, and yet we have this human inability to control our speech. Last week I was able to conclude in speaking about in verses 4 and 5 and 6 and speaking about the destruction of of the tongue, and, and this is kind of going along with that destruction of the tongue. It plays along with it, right? The destruction of the tongue and the power of it. And here it's just adding to that idea, that notion, because here he's talking about a restless evil full of deadly poison. Here, here's, the, here's the thing to recognize. The untamed heart, I'm talking about controlling the tongue and how hard it is to do. The untamed heart yields a tongue that is quick to defend self and eager to attack others. That's an untamed heart. He's talking about taming creation and all that we've done, but yet we can't even tame our own tongue. That inability for humans to be able to do so. And that's why we're so quick to attack others, and yet we try to defend self. Here's another way to be able to think about it. You, you find this in Job chapter 1, verse uh, 7. You also find it in Job chapter uh, 2, verse 2, uh, 2, verse 2. But you see, um, Satan has come to devour. He's going to and fro throughout the earth, seeking to devour. And it says that he, later on, is like a roaring lion, seeking someone to consume. Um, 1 Peter 5, 8. Here's the reason I mention this. If you're under the authority of Satan, you are going to give off, give off his characteristics. If you're under the authority of, think about this, if you're under the authority of Satan, you're going to give in to his characteristics, which is to, to devour, which is to destroy 
But if, you're, if your life has been given and living under the authority of Christ, then you're going to start distributing or, or, or showing His characteristics and speaking truth and speaking power and speaking love and speaking kindness. And all of a sudden, this passive-aggressive nature that we have throughout our community, it goes away because your goal is not to speak self and make sure others feel bad about who they are so you can feel ill-equipped and hopefully a little bit more empowered in self. The purpose is to speak Jesus. That's what it is. And it's a matter of whose heart who have you given your heart to? Who's authority? That's the issue. This is not about the tongue. It's about your tongue is a reflection of your heart. Your words matter. And if your heart is under the authority of Satan, there's a difference. If it's under the authority of self, all you want to do is make sure other people know about how great you are. It's one of the struggles that we have with this. Our tongue reveals whose authority we are under. Our tongue reveals whose authority we are under. If you're always just making sure it's about how you've been wronged or something like that, then I'm telling you right now, you're under your own authority. You're living to self. You don't know the freedom of Christ. Verse 9 and 10, it says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Another way to think about it is just, here he is, and he's showing, here's James, and he's showing the dichotomy of the tongue. He's showing the dichotomy of it, the, the contradiction of it. That with it, we're praising God and we're coming here on a Sunday and we're like, yeah, the Lord is great. Our God is with us. Our God is for us. And then later today, you're tearing someone down with the same mouth. Really? That, that, that's what we're going to end up doing? It's this dichotomy and he's painting, painting a picture of it. The contradiction that we have in our own vocabulary and again, it goes back to that double-mindedness in James 1.8 to me. How we are double-minded. A double-minded man who's unstable in all of his ways and all that he does. And we're so unstable in our words. There's such contradiction and, and dichotomy within our words. He continues this whole thought by saying, Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Think about it. Right? You turn on a, a spigot. Let's say that. And can you have, hey, I want... I want Fresh water, and same thing, I want salt water. Can it flow out of the same? Of course, we go, no, that's, that's not possible, is it? Verse 12, my brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives and a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Our words are more contradictory than anything else that we have. And what he's trying to get to here is very, very simple. It's really just a symptom of where you are in your heart. That's all it is. Why? Because we know that a transformed heart leads to transformed speech. Your words 
with your words, you're painting a picture of your heart. Your words are a picture of your heart. Your words tell other people, if you speak about one or two things more than anything else, they're saying what, what you're letting them know, this is what's most important to me. It doesn't matter what it is, you can pick it. It can be trucks. It can be a university. It can be a business. It can be any. It doesn't matter. It can be a, a specific type of music. and It doesn't matter. Your words paint a picture of your heart which is letting other people know what you value the most. And you're going, well, again, Joel, I'm not all that bad. And when you do speak poorly to other people, you go, well, it's, I'm sorry, it's just that I'm tired. Or I'm, I'm, the, the latest thing is you're hangry. Anybody married to someone who's always hangry? I'm not, don't raise your hand. That was a test. You failed. Right? You get hangry. And so we blame it all. Well, it's because I'm hungry. And because I'm hungry, I'm speaking this way. And so we just say, feed them. Really? No, it's still, there's still anger there. Sorry, there is. You can blame it on what you want to, but your words reveal, they paint a picture of your heart, not your stomach. But some of you, um, you don't even recognize that you love to rob other people of their joy by your words. Right? It's, the, it's the person who, um, they get a brand, they've been driving the same vehicle for 23 years. Um, and they finally, they've been saving $80 a month for 23 years. And they finally get that new vehicle and they bought a big truck, and it's, it's nice, and it's, it's just like their dream. And as soon as you see it, you go, oh, that's cool. I'm more of a car guy. Really? Are you, are you that insecure? I, st I still remember the words, guys. I still remember when I'm 13 years old, 14, um, and I get uh, one of the coaches, I could tell you his name right now, told me I'm way too small. Uh, I'll never be able to play any sports. I can tell you when I was 19 year old, my grandfather, when he pulled me aside, and he says, let's talk about humility. I can tell you when I was 23, and one of my professors in seminary said, I'm, I could never be a lead pastor. I can tell you when and where I was standing, because our words matter. I remember I used to get a, um, I used to get a new shirt every year for my birthday. It was cool. Most of our shirts showed up in plastic bags on our front step, which was awesome because people would always just say, hey, here, and they'd drop them off at our door, and we'd get to go through the clothes that would fit, and we'd keep those, and others we'd give to somebody else. And it was so cool to see how God provided. But it was also really cool for me to get that one new shirt every year. That was a cool thing for me um, because I knew nobody else had ever worn it. There's something about that, right? And I'm like, yeah. I remember one year I got an IZOD, and I was the bomb. I can tell you what it looked like. I wish I could still fit in it. Blue and white stripes with some pink striping, and, um, but it was a cool shirt. It was awesome. I actually didn't care too much about the way it looked just because I knew I had, it was mine, and it was new, and I was like, what? 
I still remember what my friends said as soon as they saw me for the very first time. Well, I guess your name today is Joel. And it wasn't all that funny, but I still remember it. Our words matter. That's why the biggest struggle that we have with words today is for so many of us, we don't recognize that we are actually, if we're a believer in Christ, we are now what? A new creation. Too many people who are claiming to know Christ, they're actually not living in the freedom of knowing Christ. That's why we're so consumed with projecting self on other people. That's why we're so consumed with making sure that people know when we disapprove, even if we don't think God disapproves. Why? Because what drives your mouth is your heart, and and your heart is driven by your identity. And if identity is self, rather than blessing others, you will wound others with your words. We got to get it. That's all it is. Our words are a picture of your heart, and your heart is a picture of where you've given your authority or your identity in life. And if it's not Jesus, it's not going to come out right. And so we throw that on other people. Another thing I want to make sure I clear up um, Too many of us in the church today, we've made words about morality. And when you make words about morality, all you do is limit it and you make it about self because it's defined by you rather than God. Right? So if morality cannot be separated from who Jesus Christ is, you've got to be very careful on this. Because we think the way that we speak is a matter of I'm a good person or I'm a bad person. I know a lot of people who've never said a cuss word in their life, but they could care less about their neighbor who is lost. That's a problem to me. And we would much rather tell people why they're wrong rather than how they can be found and made right in the newness of Jesus Christ. It's not necessarily about morality, our words. It's about transformation. Our words are about our hearts that have been transformed in Christ. So I tell us Ezekiel 36, 26, another one for you to write down. It says the following. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. A new heart, a new spirit coming into our lives. Our words are about a new life that we now have because of the transforming power of Holy Spirit that's jumped into our life. And so when you hear someone and automatically define them based on your own idea of what morality is and the words that they speak, there's so much more to it. Again, as I've gotten older, um, I get injured a lot more. Um, but also, I've learned um, that often those people with the hardest of words, the harshest of words to speak, are the, they're the ones hurting the most. Anybody else learned that lesson? 
they have their own agenda maybe, or they're just speaking out of their own pain and their own misery. Um, They're the ones hurting the most. They're the ones who are probably the most lost. I don't say that in a judgmental way. I've just, I've learned that. And so now my response is is very different. Uh, Somebody said something to me. It's been quite a while, and I just said, I just want to give you a hug. It was not something that was said to me that normally is followed by a hug. They did not hug back in return. (laughs) But to me, all they were doing was painting a picture of their heart and the pain that they're living in every day. Some of you are spewing that poisonous venom regularly to other people. I have a message for you. God loves you. If you're one of those people who is always just saying something that is rude and abrasive, and it's not, a, it's not that you're, you're a joke teller, it's just that you're just, you're mean, and you're, not only that, you're, you're that person who's passive-aggressive. I've got a message for you. God loves you, too. God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. Because if you're one of those people, you're living in hurt, whether you want to admit it or not. So my message for you is that God loves you. You're his creation, and he wants to do amazing things with your life to further the kingdom of God. Please let him. Uh, It was mentioned before. John Cunningham mentioned Proverbs 18.21. I mentioned it last week as well. It tells us that in Proverbs 18.21 that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Will you speak life? Now, this is what I like to ask you to do. The praise team is going to come back out, but as they do, I want to give you another homework assignment. We, if you're new here to CP, we like giving out a little bit of uh, some assignments in there. And I know that last week impacted a lot of people, which is wonderful. Um, I want to challenge you to something for the next week. Is that the first words out of your mouth every day are words of encouragement. Now this is, this is a tough assignment for me. Because I often I'm up before everybody else except for my wife. I'm up before all the kids, and so I'm already up uh, drinking a cappuccino and reading and studying, and then they come down, and typically my first words are, did you make up your bed? Or did you put your clothes, are you, are you, when are you going to get dressed? Right? It just starts right away. starts early. So the challenge is that your first words, because it's like if I start the day eating poorly, I just write the whole week off. Like just give me biscuits and gravy for every meal. If you've never had biscuits and gravy, come to my house today. 
I, if I start that way, it just doesn't, it just, this is the way it is. But what, what would happen if we started every day, and you may have to put a giant sheet of paper on your, the floor right beside your bed, and it says, encourage others with your words. What if you start every day encouraging others with your words? I'm so excited to hear later on today how God's going to use all your gifts and your talents today. I love how he's blessed you. What if we start every day encouraging people in that way? Because just maybe if you start that way, it'll continue more and more. And it begins to even start to transform your heart. Because words, they do inform your heart as well. And so it gives you that opportunity to embrace it. And to say, wait a second, God wants to do more. God constantly, Jesus, think about the words of Jesus. He knew the power of words. Matthew chapter 5, he says this. Which today we would just reject. He says, love your enemy. Matthew chapter 7, he says, do not judge. Later on, he goes, same thing. He's like, hey, listen, you want to be great? Be the last. You want to be great? Remember this. I have not come to be served, but to serve. You want powerful words? Matthew chapter 28, he says, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Does your heart fall under his authority? Have you given him authority of your life? Words today is just a picture of people's brokenness and desperation because they are lacking in the fulfillment that comes with Jesus Christ. Because if your authority has been given to Christ, you don't have to search anymore. You have found freedom. You have found life, you have found love, you have found victory. That's the power of God. I pray that we're using our words to paint pictures that reflect Him. God, I come before you in the name of Christ, and I give you thanks. I worship you. And I ask that you would transform our hearts continually, that you would allow us to grow even now in knowing how much you love us and care for us and to register, to have the humility to go, wait a second, I'm using my words for something other than boasting of Christ. Give us the courage, O God. Thank you for your love. In Christ's name, amen. Ezekiel chapter 36 tells us that he'll give us a new heart and that he'll put a new spirit in you. And I pray that God just transforms your heart every day. That you can run out and that you can voice, paint a picture of your heart by voicing who Jesus is. And that that be sincere and authentic and that you be reminded that God wants to use you whether you want to be used or not, he wants to use you to do remarkable things for the kingdom. May you know his blessings. May you know his peace. In Christ's name, amen. Have a wonderful week. Take care, guys.